0: to a podcast from the Bible Project called, called God and Money. And it started with a joke. There's this guy who meets one-on-one with God and he's asking God a lot of questions. And he asks God this question, God, what is a billion dollars like to you? And God says, well, a billion dollars is like one cent. And so this guy thinks about it and he goes, well, God, what is a billion years like? And so God says, well, a billion like, Years is like one second. So this guy gets smart, and so he asks God, God, can I just have one cent? And God says, sure, just give me one second. <laughs> Look, well, this is the final sermon in a series on money, and it's a serious topic. It can be a serious, can't it? And in the first sermon, we learned about the rich fool who uh, built up a store of wealth, and he wanted to have life easy. But God said he demanded his life from him. And it was a warning that if we are rich towards ourselves, we're not, not, not rich towards God, uh, that's a warning to us. And in the second sermon from Hans, we heard of the life of Zacchaeus, a cheap tax collector. And he was living the life of the rich fool. But then one day he met Jesus, he encountered the grace of Jesus, and his life was transformed so that his attitude and his action towards money was radically changed. And last week, Karan shared with us from 2 Corinthians 8 about the six principles of generous giving. And he showed us from the model of Jesus and the Macedonian church. And today we're learning from 2 Corinthians 9, where we have the Corinthian church. And there are four things we're going to learn about Christian giving. We're going to learn about the problem of giving, the spiritual nature of giving, how we give spiritually, and the results of spiritual giving. So four things, the problem of giving, the spiritual nature of giving, how we give spiritually, and the results of giving spiritually. I'm going to pray and ask God to help us now as we consider his word. Lord, help us uh, to hear your word on money and in giving. It's a difficult topic. It's a topic that is normally private and personal. We need to learn. We need to hear from you so that uh, we can experience the overflow of your grace in our lives and that grace can flow over into the world. So help us now, listen to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, the pr- problem with giving. Now, the Corinthian church had a problem with giving and Paul, who founded the church in Corinth, deals with this problem with giving in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And the context of the problem was that the church in Jerusalem, as we heard last week, uh, was in poverty, they, uh, they were suffering. And so Paul had started a collection through Titus amongst the Corinthian church about a year ago. And Paul refers to this collection in verse 1 as the service to the Lord's people. And initially the Corinthians were eager to help. In verse, we see that in verse 2. So eager that the, Paul was boasting among the Macedonians that the Corinthians were ready to give And this spurred the Macedonian church into action, into giving themselves. And we saw the Macedonian church gave sacrificially out of their great poverty and and their great need and their trial. But after this initial enthusiasm and this promise to give, false teachers have come into the church and they've discredited Paul and his ministry. And now the Corinthians no longer want to give and they've lost faith in Paul. So in verse Paul, uh, Paul, in verse 3, he advises the Corinthians that he's sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would. So Paul and some representatives from the Macedonian church are going to come at a later date, get the collection from the Corinthians and take it to Jerusalem. But as Paul says in verse 4, any Macedonians, come with me and find you unprepared. We, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. You see, now the, the matter of giving, it's not just about money anymore. Because it's, if the gift is not ready, it will look like that Paul had lied to the Macedonians. He duped them into giving. And not only would Paul and the Corinthian church will be ashamed, Paul's ministry, his word, uh, they that, that would all be put under, you know, they would be damaged irreparably. Only if the Corinthians are prepared with a gift before Paul arrives, verse 5, will it be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Because you see, if the gift is given after Paul arrives, there will be the Accusation? No, they, the Corinthians only gave because Paul coerced them or Paul commanded them to give. They grudgingly gave. They didn't give out of their free will. So what we see here is the problem with the Corinthians giving. Their problem is not financial. They had the capacity to give. Their problem was spiritual. Their cause of unwillingness to give was because they trusted in the false teaching Of these super apostles that discredited Paul, they didn't believe in the truth of the gospel. And that's the same with us today. When we don't give generously, it's because we've been blinded in some way. We're believing some lies, we've been deceived. We've hardened our hearts to the promptings and the leanings of the Spirit of God. So, what's the answer? How does Paul deal with this spiritual blindness that has led to the hardening of the hearts of the Corinthians? Well, Paul teaches about the spiritual nature of giving. And this is, we come to our second point, the spiritual nature of giving. Paul emphasises that giving is actually ministry. We see that in verse 1. Paul calls this collection this service to the Lord's people. Now, this word service actually is the word for ministry. The ESV translation calls it the ministry for the saints. And again, Paul emphasizes this in verse 12 and verse 13. In verse 12, the NIV says, This service that you perform. And the ESV says, For this ministry of this service. By giving, we are serving God. We are participating in ministry. Secondly, giving is spiritual because giving is sowing. Have a look at verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. When we give, we are planting seeds, we are sowing. It's not just a financial transaction where money goes from our bank account to uh, MCC's bank account, and that's it. How Paul views giving is that it is sowing spiritually. We sow seeds, and those seeds are allowing Tim and Hans and Jean, uh, Kate, to be able to sow into our lives in discipling us, sowing seeds into the community. It's sowing seeds as we do a fresh look, as we do carols, as we do men's and and women's activities. These are all planting seeds. We're planting seeds as we support the ministry of AFPS in Canberra. And as we're about to start um, planting seeds as we help in the support of gospel work overseas in the Middle East. Our giving is spiritual as it's it's sowing seeds and growing in the kingdom of God. And thirdly, in verse 13, Paul teaches us that generous giving is an evidence of the gospel working in our lives. Have a look there, verse 13. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ in sharing with them and with everyone else. If you believe the gospel, if your faith is more than lip service, it will lead to obedience when it comes to your money and when it comes to your giving. Your sharing with the needs of others and with everyone else is proof that the gospel is working in your life. And the corollary is that if you aren't giving, if you're not giving generously, then it's evidence that the gospel hasn't impacted your life. You're living in disobedience to God. So we see that giving is spiritual in nature because it is ministry; it is sowing into the kingdom of God, and it's the evidence that the gospel is working in our lives. Thirdly, how do we give generously? Well, we give generously? how do we give? Sorry, how do we give spiritually? We give spiritually when we give generously. And this goes back to the metaphor of sowing, and God wants us to sow generously, not so sparingly. And we give generously because God has given generously to us. And we give generously only when it impacts our lifestyle, when our giving involves a sacrifice. So for some people, giving a million dollars, that is not being generous, because they might already be multi-million dollar, multi-millionaires. But for some of you who are struggling financially, giving $10 a week might be giving sacrificially, might be giving generously because that means that you'll skip a meal that week. I mean, we've seen that uh, general generosity doesn't involve our money, it involves our time and involves our lives as, as well. Secondly, we, we give generously when our giving is thought out and when it's planned. We see that in verse 7. Have a look at verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now when it talks there about deciding in your heart to give, now we kind of think deciding in our heart, we, talk, we think about it in an emotional way because we associate our hearts with our emotions. But in, in those days, the heart was actually associated with their thinking, okay? not their emotions. So what this is saying is that in terms of our giving, it has to be thought out. It has to be planned. You shouldn't give just because you've heard an appeal and you've been emotionally moved by it or you're giving out of guilt. No, it's planned. It's thought out. Now, Paul is spending two whole chapters here talking about the issue of money. He's sending an advance party to get it ready because as we've seen, this gift, giving impacts. It's not a personal matter. It impacts the whole church and the wider church. It's an important topic. So the question is, how much thought and planning do you give to your giving? How do you decide who to give? How much to give? Because the Bible doesn't give you a set percentage. It doesn't say, actually, the Bible doesn't say 10% is what you have to give. We shouldn't give out of duty. We shouldn't give... Because we feel uh, compelled to give because of some emotional appeal. So how are we to give? Well, we know that the guiding principles we've been given so far is that we are to give generously and we are to give in light of the fact that we're investing into God's kingdom. But the problem with us is that because this, the nature of giving is so private, we, we never talk about our giving uh, in an honest and open way. Um, and so, uh, for better or worse, I'm going to share a little bit about. Uh, Kareem was sharing a little bit about how he plans to give. I'm going to share about how I, uh, how I think about giving, how I plan to give, and hopefully that might be a help. So I'm preparing as well about thinking about 2024. And so I'm a, a bit of a finance geek, and so I use Google Sheets. And so um, in my Google Sheets, I have my in, my estimated income for next year. I have my wife Lisa's estimated income uh, for next year. And then I'm praying about what percentage of that before tax am I going to give. And, and that percentage, I want it to be generous. I don't want it to be well within my, my means. And that gives me a dollar figure for next year. I'm not going to tell you what that dollar figure is but, because it's going to be different for everyone. But out of that dollar figure, uh, at least 50% is going to go to, uh, to M- MCC because that's important. And the other 50, uh, 50% um, I support... An AFS worker in UTS Sydney uh, and a couple of other missionaries. This uh, is we're supporting some World Vision kids and Compassion kids. At the moment, uh, probably about 80% is accounted for, so there's about 20% that i still still uh, praying about where sh- should that, that giving go. So that's part of what I do. Um, another part is that I use a note-taking app uh, to help me with that in my prayers. And so one of those uh, notes is on giving, And on top of that note of giving, it says, uh, how can I plan to give more? Because I know that inherently, I won't give generously. So that's just a reminder to me. Every time, every week that this note comes up and I pray about giving, there it is. And then it it has my plan for giving for next year. It has a record of my previous giving. And then it also notes uh, prayer points that come up about giving. So last week, I was in the office at OMF where I work. And I learned about uh, one of the ministry workers who used to be a missionary. He's working in the staff now. And he's got a huge hex debt, he and his wife, because they went to Bible college. And I thought, hmm, should I give uh, something to help pay off their debt? Now, I don't give right away. I put that on my list, and then I'll pray about it. I don't want to give because I'm emotionally moved at that moment. Last month, as as we were selling the uh, 62, uh, and as I was thinking about money, now God convicted me. I sold my house a couple of years ago and made a profit, and God said, "Well, what about you give a part of that generously, away?" Because I hadn't thought about that before. So that goes on my list, and I'm going to pray about it. I'm not going to act on it because of an impulse, but I'm going to go, "God, how much of that do you want me to give away?" Because that, that's your money. It's not my money. How much and to who? So the challenge is... For us, you know, how much thought have you given about giving and your money? Do you give it as much thought as you do your investments or other expenses or about when you go to buy a house or do other things with your money? How much planning and thought do you give to your giving? The final way in which we give spiritually is when we give cheerfully, with joy. For God loves a cheerful giver. When we give reluctantly, when we give grudgingly, when we give out of duty, we are not giving spiritually. We're giving in a worldly way. So we've seen that giving is spiritual uh, when we give generously, when we give when it's thought out, and when we give cheerfully. Finally, what are the results of giving? One of the results of giving is an abundant harvest. See in verse 8. Part of this abundant harvest is experience God's abundant grace. Verse 8: And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, the NIV there uses the word bless, but the ESV translates the word grace. So when it says, God is able to bless you abundantly, the ESV says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. And I think the word grace there is a little bit more helpful because when we hear the word bless, we can make the mistake in thinking that if we give more generously, God will you know, give us more, bless us more. And that's kind of going into the prosperity gospel. No, when we give more generously... What we experience is we experience an overflow of God's grace into our lives and into the lives of others. So that in everything, you know, hear the completeness of this. In all times, in all things, you have all that you need so that you will abound in every good work. Now, one of the reasons why we don't give generously is that I think that self-consciously or consciously, we think that if we give generously, that we will not be able to meet our needs. So my electricity bills, you know, ink doubled over the last year. My last bill was $1,600 for the quarter. Okay, some of you, the mortgage, your mortgage uh, interest rates have increased, doubled, tripled, no, four times it's, it's you know, gone up. Food prices, petrol prices, everything is soaring, you know. I can't really think about giving more at the moment. You know, I'm barely keeping my head above water with all these expenses. How can I give more generously? So, but the thing is, and you might think, oh, later when, when uh, interest rates have gone back down a little bit, when I've made, paid off more, a bit more of the mortgage, when my kids have left. I've got four kids, so like, they're a huge expense. When they left home, I'll have more spare money. Then I can think about giving more. There will, I can tell you there will never be a later because the issue, as we've seen, is the issue with that giving is never just financial. It is always spiritual you have to deal with the spiritual issue first before uh, there'll be any change in the financial aspects. And yes, you can sow sparingly and your savings will go up. But, and you'll be able to better protect yourselves from the financial storms. But then you'll reap sparingly. You won't experience the overflow of God's grace in your life and the life of others. Will you trust in God for your needs or will you trust in in yourself? Because God is greater than our needs. God is greater than our fears. The second result of spiritual giving is that it will meet the needs of others and lead to thanksgiving and praise to God. We see that in verse 11. Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. God's plan is that we will help each other with our needs. He hasn't given us, um, you know, everything that we need in terms, but he will provide everything we need through others as well. That's God's plan. And this is what we see happened in the early church. If we look at Acts chapter 4, we see in verse 32, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everyone who had need. So, in the early church, there was a flood of people coming into the early church because they abundantly sowed into the kingdom of God, because they didn't consider their possessions as their own, but they used it for ministry, for service and it led to God's overflowing grace in their lives and into the lives of others. They were shining like stars in the darkness in their community, and people took notice. But this is in stark contrast to the stinging rebuke that Jay Packer has in his book, Knowing God, about modern-day 21st-century Christians. He says, There are many whose ambition in life seems limited to building a nice middle-class Christian home, and making nice middle class Christian friends and bringing up their children in nice middle class Christian ways and who live the sub-middle class sections of the community, Christian and non-Christian, to get on by themselves. The Christmas spirit does not shine out in the Christian snob, for the Christmas spirit is the spirit of those, like their master, live their lives on the principle of making themselves poor, spending and being spent to enrich their fellow humans giving time, trouble, care and concern to do good to others and not just their own friends in whatever way there seems need. You know, when I'm a Christian snob and I keep most of my wealth to myself and don't contribute to the needs of others and to the church, not only am I limiting the abundant grace of God in my life and in the life of others, you're actually robbing God of the thanksgiving and the glory that he deserves by not giving. The final result of spiritual giving is that there is increased prayer and fellowship. Have a look at verse 14. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Now the Christians in the church in Jerusalem... Their hearts were going out to the Corinthians, were praying for the Corinthians because of this fellowship they had in, in, this, in this giving. And when we were missionaries, we experienced that as well. You know, there are a number of different churches, a number of different supporters that, is, that contributed to us significantly, significantly. But what we valued most were the people that, uh, who actually reached out to us. They asked us, Rich and Lisa, how are you actually going? They read our prayer letters and they can read between the lines and things were, were difficult for us. And they go, how are you actually going? You know, one of the hardest things for Lisa was just the loneliness of it all. And some people calling her would have a dramatic impact. Their hearts went out and our hearts went out, to, even though we were in Thailand, and our hearts went out to them. But we also had other supporters who, they were giving... You know, thousands of dollars a year, but we could tell when we sent out their newsletters, our newsletters weren't being opened. And no, we appreciated the gifts, but there was no engagement. We didn't get a sense that this was a, a partnership, and it was different. Okay, giving can enable this increase in prayer and in fellowship. As we come to the uh, end of this series, on money, let me just recap what we've learned today. The problem with giving is spiritual. We learn about the spiritual nature of giving, that it is ministry, it is sowing, it is the evidence of the gospel working in our lives. And we've seen that our giving should be generous, thought out, cheerful, and we've seen the results of our giving, that an abundant harvest of God's grace overflowing in our lives into the lives of others It meets the needs of others so that it gives thanksgiving and glory to God and increased prayer and fellowship with one another. And the danger is, as we come to the end of this series, is that you might have been moved, you might have been convicted in some area, but you will not change in any significant way, in the way that you give or in your lives. And the warning for you is that how are you living the life of the rich fool? I encourage you to listen to this Bible uh, Project podcast on God and money. It tells the story of two guys, John Cortinez and Greg Bulmer. These two guys were making a ton of money, and they were planning to make a ton ton more. And they go, and both of them end up doing an MBA at Harvard Business School. And these guys are both Christians. They love their family. And importantly, they both uh, religiously tie 10%. Every day, and they believe, and their thinking was that if I tied, that's my duty done to God. Um, that's my, That's my. I don't need to think about God and money anymore. And that's how they came into this, uh, into, uh, into their course. But as one of their electives, they got to study at Harvard Divinity School on our uh, class on on God and money, and they wrestled with the, the um, question: What does it mean to be an obedient Christian with money? And they would challenge the parable of the rich fool and through books about their attitude about tithing. But as their final assignment, um, to answer this question, what they did is they got uh, access to Harvard Business School's Christian alumni uh, directory and they contacted the 300 uh, Christians who had graduated from Harvard Business School and they sent them a survey to get their attitudes and thinking about money. And when they got this survey back, they were just blown away. They couldn't understand it. Their their thinking about money and generosity was so completely different. Some people were giving away 50% of their income. Like, who does that? Or another person wrote, I make as much, I go to work to make as much money as I can so that I can give as much of it away. And they just couldn't understand it. And so they end up interviewing, phoning these guys and hearing stories about incredible generosity. And this is what Greg says. I always thought that I was obtaining joy from nice meals and fun vacations. But the joy that these individuals who lived highly generous lives, the joy they experienced was literally radiating through the phone in these interviews, and I was emotionally and spiritually impacted by the whole spirit working in their lives, and by the convincing and convicting stories they would tell about how much better their lives were from a happiness perspective when they elected to live generously. I wanted to experience this feeling that I've never felt when I thoughtlessly cut my 10% check into the offering plate in the past. And I was beginning to catch the vision of money that was grander than that, to say that one, my money can be part of God's mission in the world, and two, if I give, that might help me to unlock something in my life that has more joy and purpose to it than just having a big pile of it when I die. God changed Greg and John's life radically. Listen to the podcast. And God can radically change us, change our church and change the world when we catch God's vision for money and generous giving. So that we will not be arrogant or put our trust in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put our hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That we will do good, be rich in good deeds and generous and willing to share. And in this way that we will lay up treasure in heaven for ourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age and take hold of life that is truly life. Let's pray. God, we confess that we do not use our money in the way that we should. and we, I, we can, I confess that I haven't been generous as as I could be, and that I've built up wealth for myself. Please forgive me. Please forgive us. Help us to grasp the vision of we will not change because of guilt or because of duty, but when we see the joy in giving, and we see the, that it's sowing into your kingdom, help us realize that vision today. Help us to experience the joy uh, that you are willing to give. Help us to take hold of life that is truly life and not settle for... Uh, this settle for the things uh, that come from wealth, but do not bring an eternal inheritance. We pray this in the Son's name. Amen. Friends, we're going to